Welcome to episode 97 of the Men Who Say Football, the Dundalk FC fancast. An unexpected result in the Brandywell. Unexpectedly good. Guys, what did you make of that for an away win? Uh, incredible. I mean, an incredible result. And you think about to last week when you were trying to goad us into uh, predictions. And uh, you were pretty hesitant. Even like, I mean, the, the Bulls result and performance and all was amazing. But I think we were on the road and it was the Brandywell. So, I mean, like, it's for all the confidence and you know the, the great positivity around around the club at the moment. You know, going away to Derry and the you know with the side that they have and their um their intentions, you would be you know you'd be you'd be happy with a draw and you'd hoped not to get beat. But I thought it, it was an amazing result and a great performance. And the first thing I would say is, I mean, I've commented a few times in podcasts about our. our first halves i mean this season i think one of the big things our first halves have been really pedestrian and slow and that didn't happen so well a, a bunch of the things that i think the doc have been guilty of um were changed last night but i thought we came out of the traps really uh strong uh best first half from us uh, probably all season um and exemplified by you know going one and up 10 10 minutes in with an amazing goal like that bob benson goal was just incredible um um, and I thought we were we were we were worth it, you know. We were we were definitely worth going in at half time, one and up. So I think that was the first thing I think about last night was the first half performance. We're so lethargic in the first half, and it takes us so long to get going. But straight at the traps. The other thing I said is remember I saying sometimes when we have a good result, like the, the result against uh, draw or whatever, you hope that you bring that energy through to the next game, and then we're very flat against the UCD or something like that. I thought they kept for once we kept the momentum going because our, our performances have been up down up down up down kept it going um and uh, yeah i thought at halftime we were well worth it i mean they had a good, couple of good chances um and i think nathan shepherd made some good saves uh second half i thought Derry came out much stronger and i thought they were worth their equalizer when they when they equalized you know I, I thought like we were never overrun by them, and I thought you know we we were equals uh, in the second half. Um, I thought their goal really really good free kick. That's the one thing you have to say about it. it was perfectly placed and um, a great header. And at that stage, for me personally, one all you go. It's it's such a shame when you hold the lead for so long to lose it. You think okay, well a draw would be fine. Um, but then to to win it towards the end, I thought it was amazing. A uh, really great move. I thought. Uh, Best part of it, I think, was yeah, John Martin stealing the ball, uh, and then got it to Hoban, and just another Pat Hoban, you know, Pat Hoban goal, um, and he's edging closer to that record. Um, and then you know we held out. I know um, Patching hit the crossbar, and people go, oh, unlucky and stuff. But you know, when you hit the crossbar, you technically missed. So people always act like hitting the crossbar is some kind of random chance generator that oh, it could have been a goal. No, it, it missed. But you know, it was pretty close. Um, but I thought we were worth the win. So I know some people maybe on the Derry side were talking about Derry being unlucky and stuff like this. But um, I don't think anyone can complain about us taking the three points. Um, and given some other results and stuff generally, just a really great night for us. Looking back over the, the last few results, I think we are now won four in the last five games. The only drop points were away at UCD, which you know arguably we should have held on to and won. And I think it's safe to say that at this stage, we're on a bit of a run. You know, we speculated at the start of the season that, you know, it would take time for this team to gel. And I think we're finally there, right? We've gotten to the point where the team are motoring and probably better than we expected. You know, sort of four wins out of five is um, 
dare I say it, championship form, you know, kind of thing. Now we're miles behind Shamrock Rovers, but that is the kind of, you know, um, consecutive run of results that you want to put together if you're putting yourself in contention for, uh, for that kind of thing. So it's really great to see. And I, I think we could have no complaints. I don't think, you know, as you, as Rory said, like Derry can't really have any complaints either. Uh, we've worked really hard. I think the team shows a lot of character. You know, when you lose a goal, you know, after having led for so long, can be very easy, you know, to sort of go to pieces a bit. But team picked themselves up, worked really hard, got that goal back. And I think the work rate in the, the build-up to that of John Martin, right, uh, before setting up Pat Hoopin for, I have to say, a pretty difficult finish, right? It was from a tight enough angle, but slotted at home really, really well. And uh, I guess he's another man, right? We can talk about the form a little bit. He's, he's not been, like, knocking in hat-tricks every week or that kind of thing. But, you know, just every single game chipping in with a goal, like here and there. Some of them are penalties, you know, that kind of thing. But he is just clocking up the goals again and again. And uh, in the offseason, when he signed his three-year deal, you know, there was a lot of talk about him breaking the, the all-time goal-scoring record. And I thought, well, you know, three years, he'll definitely break it in that time. I'm not sure if it'll be year one. You know, it might sort of ease into year two. But he's cut the, the deficit now to nine. And I think it's going to be, you know, sort of this summer by the time he's breaking that. Like, it's just not going to be long. And I think, you know, for him, for the team, like everything is just sort of motoring at the moment. And uh, I don't know, I was going to say if we could just keep down the bookings and that kind of thing a little bit at the moment as well, you know, we could um, uh, we could keep this going. We could, you know, start uh, making a lot of other people uncomfortable. And I think, you know, a couple of people have pointed out already that we're four points behind Derry with the game in hand. You know, we could be leaving ourselves into, you know, contention for second place in the not too distant future. There's a nice little gap opening up with uh, the Pats result against Shells so that we now have a little bit of comfort. Now, we all know that can change with only one bad result, but we're now on 28 points with a game in hand over some Pats who are on 25. So we've been talking about third as possibly the maximal that you could expect from this team this season that would get us back into Europe. That would be a really good achievement. But I suppose given that we are Dundalk fans after last night, expectations might begin to get a little bit more ambitious because on paper, Derry away is probably the second toughest game that you're going to get in, in the league fixture calendar. Yet we seem to handle it very comfortably. Now, I would say there was, there was probably a general lack of quality, I suppose, to Derry's approach. Given that, you know, the way that they were kind of quite, you know, they were getting good results earlier on in the season, and when they assembled that squad that they assembled and took, how many was it again? Four players from Dundalk. You know, everybody had them down for, for a title challenge, but they seemed rather subdued last night. Uh, do you think the absence of uh, Michael Duffy and Patrick McElhenney have sort of contributed to that lacklustre display and really derailed their bid for a title challenge this season? Or were Dundalk simply just very good at not letting them into the game last night? I think it's a bit of both. I think Derry probably weren't at their best, and I don't think they have been at their best. But um, I thought we were really good uh, as well. I mean, I think Derry even still have enough quality in that squad, even without you know those stars, um, that they can turn over anyone. And they were at home, and they were such great home support that I don't think you can just put it down to their own, uh, you know, uh, maybe weaknesses or not having a full strength team. Because I think Rory Higgins has has, has really good selection of players and that team that went out you know as I said could, could turn over anyone um and but I thought we were really good you know um I thought we did everything we we're supposed to do properly um they had a few chances but at the same time um I thought they, like, we dealt with them well and I thought uh, 
Nathan had a couple of good saves and stuff like this, and we pushed them really hard as well. And I think it, the pendulum did swing because I think the first half was mostly us. Second half, they definitely got a bit of the possession back, definitely. But we pushed them really hard. So I think that Dundalk really put it up to them. Uh, so I, I, I definitely think um, we were worth it. And as as Martin said, we're on a we're on a, we're on a, a good run now, and there's definitely a head of steam up uh, now in the last few games. Um, and we're getting the results that we kind of always knew. Well, we started to suspect were in the team because we had a lot of draws at one stage. So there was that potential because we weren't losing games, but we just weren't winning them. And we were, I mean, when we, we felt that we had the defence sorted, but there was just this unlocked potential going forward. If you think about the recent results and like the, the bows, I mean, the fact that we came from behind to, to win it so comfortably means there's definitely that... Um, uh, and, you know, maybe you could put down the UCD to a, a, a mad blip <laughs> involving some of the decisions of our own players and stuff like this. But um, when we seem to have unlocked that uh, attacking potential, and it, like if you think about the, even the goals last night, obviously Pat Hoban, okay, so uh, who is, you know, as Martin said, on his way to become the club goal scoring record. Um, and, you know, Robbie Benson back to doing what he does best because we were missing him for a bit and, you know, his, maybe he, even though we were so excited to get him back and you could clearly see his influence at the start of the season, I think last night we were seeing the best of Robbie Benson, definitely. So the, I think the things are clicking in going forward for us now. Um, and you're seeing it because you don't go away to Derry and score two of those types of goals without, um, you know, without your own quality. So I think we were, we were well worth it. Yeah, like despite the messy periods of the game where, you know, there was casual turnovers of uh, possession from both sides or frustrating elements where we were kind of kicking the ball from our own restarts directly out of play or directly to Derry on far too many occasions, the goals themselves were moments of really impressive quality. And maybe if we, like Robbie Benson, obviously, and Pat Hoban have been stalwarts of the golden era and we've praised them God knows how many times. And I think, you know, their quality was evident again. What was also interesting was the build-up to those goals, the assists. We see that Sam Bone has a really composed touch, a really, you know, impressive pass by sex two defenders, puts Robbie in. Robbie is an awful lot to do, but he's got this brilliant right foot, left foot touch and turn. And the shot is away, I think, before the keeper even realises it. There's real power behind it. He keeps it low and it's right in the corner of the goal. I don't think anybody is saving that. Brilliant finish, brilliant strike from a player who's done it so many times for us, you know, uh, and it's great to see him back again. But I think Sam Bone's pass is really kind of, you know, it's it's really worth noting. He is very comfortable on the ball. And again, he filled in at centre half this time. And usually you'd be a little bit worried about changing your central defensive partnership, you know, because that takes quite a degree of understanding. And you're always a little bit nervous when a regular has to come out and somebody new has to go in because you can have that, uh, you can have that maybe lack of cohesion when a new pairing are playing together. But there wasn't really any of that. Like, I mean, our defence has been very, very solid. And it just kept on in that manner. Now, Derry did get one or two sites of goal. I think Joe Thompson was in once or twice and could have done better. We had a couple of, you know, the rest of it was mostly just crosses and, and corners that we mostly managed to handle. But I think Sam Bone definitely deserves plaudits, not only for his versatility and his defensive prowess, but also that constructive side of the game that we've noted. Mark Conley is very good at carrying the ball out of defence. Sam Bone is also quite good with the ball as well but the second assist is probably even more remarkable 
John Martin again battling for the ball up in the Derry corner and you think well if he just holds it there that's really all that's required from him but he's even battling for it when he's surrounded on the ground loses possession eventually but manages to steal it back and then give this really precise almost McElhenney like assist to Hoban who once again has this tremendous uh, snapshot finish from a very acute angle and I don't think there's too many other centre forwards in the league that can give you that type of finish so once again Pat's qualities are all on show but the assist is well worth checking out again I mean John Martin probably you know if he was a different type of personality might have every reason to you know have the hump because he hasn't been in the team maybe all that much and hasn't had a start and hasn't had a run of games but he has made some vital contributions in the very limited time that he's got which would tell you that there is a a real esprit de corps in that squad that you know people are people are uh, very much you know even if they're on the margins as regards playing time they're all pulling in the same direction yeah i think you know, we saw him a little bit earlier on in the season, I think, get more game time. And in particular, when we played Shamrock Rovers at home, uh, he played in a front two with Patrick Hoopin, which I thought was a real sort of curveball that we hit them with that night. But I thought he was excellent. Now, he didn't get on the, the score sheet. Obviously, it was a, a nil-nil draw. But himself and Hoopin that night, like, really troubled the Rovers centre-halves. And I think in particular, when they tried to play out from the back, Hoopin and Martin were all over them. And I think, like, Hoopin with his physicality and strength and Martin with, you know, a bit more sort of speed and ability to get around the place, like they made for a very effective combination and I was wondering if that was going to be something that you know we would see you know then for the next four or five games in a row uh, but we went on this you know sort of mad switcheroo of you know formations and players uh, and apparently he picked up a, a knee injury at the time right and so was struggling a little bit um, and so you know maybe all of that sort of contributed to him not getting a whole lot of minutes but uh, he's really been excellent like every time I saw him and I, I think Last night as well, even though he might not have been playing, you know, quite up top beside Hoopin, he was still, if you look where he wins the ball back, right, it's right on the edge of the Derry area. And that's that kind of thing, right? The ability to sort of chase down and hand those players makes it so difficult for them to play out. It means that we're winning the ball further up the field, which I guess was a feature for the first goal too. And, you know, if... Um, I think a couple of weeks ago we said we need to be a little bit more adventurous in turn in front of goal, right? Where we're kind of getting shots away earlier and this kind of thing. Um, and Robbie Benson, wow, he really took that to heart, right? Because you know, just one touch to get it out of his feet and bang. And uh, you know, those are the kind of goals that I think we were missing a little bit earlier in the season, where we were you know trying to walk it in uh, a little bit sometimes. So yeah, I, I think like all of that goes to show that there is that real sort of determination and you know sort of fight to keep going, but also that ability to to win the ball back high up. Um, on Sam Bone, right? The only thing I'm wondering, like, is he just too versatile at the moment? Because there's a lot of players, you know, if they were what would you say devoted to a single position, uh, you would say he's a good chance of nailing down like one of those where he's played this season, but. I think the reason that we brought him into the squad at the time was, you know, it was huge uncertainty about who was going to play at right back, or, you know, sort of holding midfield and centre half, you know, this kind of thing. And so I think he was really brought in for that versatility in the first place. And that has seen him like floating around and contributing in a lot of different areas. But, you know, he's looked pretty comfortable in all of those areas, right? He was, he was good at right back at the start of the season, albeit very narrow. Uh, he was switched to left back for a couple of games, you know, when we went to Sligo and that kind of thing and looked pretty comfortable there. I think he's played holding midfield uh, for, uh, you know, a few spells during the odd game. Uh, and now he's at centre-half for a run of games now as well and looks very comfortable there. So th the only thing from his perspective is that I really hope, you know, he nails down one of those positions. And you would have to say that centre-half is probably his best position, or his natural fit at least. 
that you know we've seen him play there for Shamrock Rovers, for Waterford. Uh, I don't know if he played there for Pats last year, but you know, um, it, it looks like probably his best sort of long-term position. And if himself and a partner like Mark Connolly just sort of find a groove, right? I think that will make for some interesting questions when Andy Boyle and Brian Gartland are both available for selection too. Yeah, I think one thing that Mark makes a good point as well, which typified us about the two goals, is the fact that we fought to win the ball back. And there's another thing about Dundalk this season had been that strange lethargy at times and, you know, kind of lackadaisical attitude. But last night we were, not even for the two goals, but we were, you know, uh, pushing them all the way and, you know, marking them really close. And, yeah, to win the ball, especially as well, by the way, it's a draw, you're away to Derry, and then you might think, well, maybe in their heads, it was that close. I mean, it was eight minutes to go, whatever. Maybe they'll just say, we'll, 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 we'll ride this out. But the fact that Martin and Hoban were not giving up, um, it was really great to see. And it's, it's kind of a change because I think there's this renewed energy in the team. Um, and I think those those two goals really typify it. To, to win the ball back that high up the field and uh, to do something with it. Um, again, it goes back to what I was saying along about that, that attacking potential finally being unlocked. Because we could see the players from the start of the season. We could see the quality there. Um, and uh, it, it seems like it's, it's, it's being unleashed. Of course, it wouldn't be the men who say football if we didn't have something to moan about. Uh, if I turn to Twitter briefly, Adam has come in to say, delighted with the win, but how many balls did Shepard kick to his opposite number? Very unlike him, hopefully just a blip. Now, I reckon it was probably, it was uncharacteristic. I think Nathan's been really, really good, but uh, it was getting a bit frustrating when the restarts were being just booted straight out of play on a couple of occasions or right through the whole length of the field and coming to the Derry back four or all the way to the Derry goalkeeper. It was almost like back to the days of Chris Benyon when he used to kind of do that habitually as well. Now, you you weren't having this, Rory, but uh, do you think that's one of the areas that um, we could improve on? And generally, again, like when we've talked about a sloppiness in passing. I think, you know, I think generally speaking, the league this year, it seems to be a long way off the peak of maybe we talk about 2015, 2016 a lot when our passing was very, very slick and cohesive and we rarely gave the ball away. That messy element, do you think that's an area that we could maybe still do a little bit to get right? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think we're definitely working progress. And the thing about Nathan, I'll say, is, I mean, he's had such an incredible season, but he's so young and he's so fresh that, you know, he's, he's not going to be the fully rounded thing yet. And, I mean, I was also saw against UCD, he made some pretty odd decisions, not with his kicking out, but just in his going for balls and stuff like this, um, made some odd decisions. So, you know, he's, he's not the complete thing, but... Um, you know, definitely he, he has aspects of the game to improve. And definitely there is still a sloppiness to us. I mean, we've seen that even in games where we're doing well. Um, some of the, the passing in midfield, you definitely kind of, you know, uh, like I thought, uh, like away to Rovers was, was very frustrating, I thought, because just nothing was connecting. Um, so, there's, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely uh, stuff to work on there. And yeah, that kind of, I mean, I, the lethargy, and the kind of lackadaisical stuff probably plays into some of those passing because the passes just just don't seem that um, uh, clinical. Um, but um, I, I think the good outweigh the poor. I will say that, you know, Shepard, it's only his first season in uh, senior football, right? So obviously a few things to improve on as, as time goes by. But I actually think that his kicking has been one of the most impressive things about his game so far. That I think, you know, there's a few times he's been put under pressure by, you know, sort of sloppy back passes and things like this. But he's demonstrated that he can kick with his left foot, with his right foot, you know, doesn't look 
uh, under pressure, you know, on either side, which I think is is really good. I, I think last night in that case, I would have to say is probably just a blip because, like I say, that, that has been very good so far. And you know, for all of the the trophies and plaudits and stuff that Gary Rogers, you know, picked up, I think there was, you know, if there was one side of his game that was imperfect, it was definitely his kicking right and distribution was thing that was uh, always something that we would lament as balls hit the shed roof and you know stuff like this. So uh, personally, I thought that Shepard's kicking so far this season was a real step up from that. Um, like I say, hopefully he gets back to his his earlier rhythm. Yeah, I don't know if it was something to do with the way that Derry were lining out that made it difficult to pick players out. But you're right. I mean, it hasn't been an aspect of his game that was an issue in previous games. So perhaps it was just a blip. But the main task is to keep the ball from hitting the back of the net. And he's been he's been very impressive at that. After, you know, people have kind of almost forgotten the question marks that were over him. And a lot of people saying at the start of the season that maybe we better just revert to Cherry and let him settle and then see how it goes. Uh, Skip did take the take the option of throwing him in at the deep end, and he's certainly he's certainly swimming now rather than sinking. If we look at our form, it's really good. It's four wins from the last five. The only other team that has that form is Shamrock Rovers. So going into Monday night, remember this is a double weekend. We face a Finn Harps who had a difficult evening in United Park. They picked up a red card for Bastian Erie and Barry McNamee has um, has also looks like he's got an injury, so we wouldn't expect him to line out on Monday night. We know that Bally Buffet is a difficult place to go to, that Ollie Horgan is one of the more methodical managers at working out how to stymie the opposition. But with Finn Harp sort of suffering that maybe demoralizing result, dare we kind of make an optimistic prediction that this could be an even better weekend for Dundalk? think by now Ken uh, any attempts at predictions because uh, when we do predict good things uh, you know the UCD happens and then when we're all about uh well let's just see it's Derry and then we end up winning so who knows what'll happen but I mean yeah it's it's it's, it's cliche but cliches are cliches because they're true but Valley Buffet is a tough place to go to um I genuinely just think that the it's such a wild ride this year as i said you 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 win a game and then you're going all right it's ucd this friday this is going to be amazing and then it's a complete <laughs> banana peel and then flip side i said you, you you kind of are a bit anxious and we come out and we play out the traps from the from the first minute so who knows but you would expect i mean the, the big thing i keep thinking about is just to keep the momentum going and because it's a double weekend hopefully the momentum of friday will be fresh on monday um two wins away back to back would be possibly asking too much of the universe but if you can beat Derry um you should be able to beat Finn Harps you know if you go out with the same if we went out with the same mentality the same lineup and we played the same way there's no reason why we wouldn't get a result against uh, Finn Harps because I mean objectively as uh, you know as good a manager as Ali Organ is and as tough Finn Harps can be objectively Derry are a far stronger team so I think if you can and you know Finn Harps um you know had, had a bad result last night so the all the all the pieces are there for uh, another away win but uh that might be such a statistical anomaly that the chances of it happening are probably far too thin but I I, I would be hopeful have, have you just predicted a win away against Finn Harps in a roundabout way, because I never, I never like saying that in case it's ever thrown in yeah. your face. But I, I, I thought we had vowed not to predict to handy wins again. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, if you look at all the the evidence, 
mm-hmm. and put it on a table and look at it. You can draw your own conclusions, but all right. I would, be, I would be. I would. I would have hope. Yeah, well, that's that's stopping short of making an outright prediction. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do likewise. Uh, it's just. It's become a factor of the league. I mean, it's become very unpredictable this season, and uh, particularly with us. But, um, you know, like who would have predicted that you 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 would you would struggle against you know teams who are eighth and tenth in the league, and and you would look pretty impressive against those at the upper echelons of the league. It's it's a it's a peculiar season. Um, but it looks like Dundalk now having bedded in over the first series of games are are kind of now becoming a kind of more and more impressive side. So, I mean, yeah, plenty of room for optimism without getting complacent, but we will just continue to take each game as it comes. Um, did you enjoy the commentary, by the way, on the stream when the stream was available last night? I have to say, maybe there'll be a discussion at the end of the season about, and maybe there's an academic project here about, the inherent bias when the local team, you know, obviously every team is running their own comms for these games, right? Now, I'm about to display an amazing bit of bias here, but I think that when uh, Adrian Taff is doing our commentary, he is quite level-headed. I, again, I know I've just, I've, I'm a Dundalk fan saying that Dundalk TV is not biased, but I, I'm aware of the irony in that. But I just find that, um, some some of the commentary teams are just it's it's quite funny to watch when you see an incident happen in front of you and their reaction to it. I think that the commentary team last night from Derry were quite good and competent. The way they read some of the situations, I thought was quite funny. Um, because I mean, at one stage, I know there was a you know there's a, obviously Dundalk had a number of bookings which we might talk about at some stage. But at one stage, they said Dundalk are losing the plot and other such grandiose statements about us. Um, and uh, things like that, uh, but you know, it's it's. I think it's the nature of this season when you're watching an away game and you're listening to their commentators that they see the incidents in a, in a much different light. But you have to listen to their comments. Yeah, I, I kind of enjoy it all the more, particularly particularly when you're winning. Uh, I, I did think the losing the plot uh, um, comment was rather wishful, and it certainly didn't seem that way by the time we got to the final whistle. But it's funny the, the reality tunnel you mentioned that uh, that home supporters and home commentators can go into. They had their candy striped glasses on last night, but I, I think perhaps our own commentary team are more objective because I don't know about Adrian, but Flano's from Drogheda, so that kind of. Yeah, you know, Adrian's from RD, I think. So they're, they're not. <laughs> so they're, yeah, they're probably, you know, I'm not questioning their loyalties or anything like that, but it's not quite as hometown as most other commentary teams. And Adrian also does play for the other team. With, he does draw the United stuff as well. So, you know. There you go. That probably helps his objectivity. I think Adrian and Flano are actually very good. Certainly uh, among the LOI TV crews, I think they're probably. Uh, this is no hometown bias, given that they're from RD and Drogheda. I think they're probably one of the most professional duos out there. Uh, you don't really mind a bit of partisanship uh, on the part of the, the commentary team and some of that. I mean, to a degree, expected as well. But I think the main thing is, do you get a sort of professional service? And I think, uh, by and large, the LOI TV package hasn't been too bad uh, from that perspective. But there have been a couple of exceptions, right, here and there, notably, uh, where we'll just say that the... Would you say that the quality and insight of the the teams hasn't been maybe uh, what would you say completely you know uh, at the same standard across all of the the different streams? And as you point out, I think uh, Adrian and Flano are probably at the the peak. I think of the the slope 
uh, where there's a few more at the base as well that is uh, hard to listen to. I won't name names, but uh, yeah, generally speaking, I thought like Derry wasn't too bad from that perspective, but let's see what Monday night holds in store. They were possibly uh, excited by the fact that we picked up eight yellow cards, if you count Stephen O'Donnell's double. So that was a little bit uh, strange. We talked already about our disciplinary record and how statistically it didn't look great. I mean, none of the none of the yellow cards are really for tackles or anything like that. It seemed to be the majority of the outfield ones were for um, just uh, time wasting or what the referee deemed to be time wasting. And then we had O'Donnell getting two, McMillan getting one for you know anybody's guess. I'm not sure. Do you think eight was a little bit severe of Rob Harvey, or is there sort of an underlying issue of our, us being a little bit too tetchy? I, I think it's a bit of both. I think there's definitely a bit of bite to the team. And I said this on a previous podcast, but I think we are being made in the image of our manager, who, <laughs> as a player, um, had a bit of that uh, niggle going on. So I don't think it's a surprise that a Stephen O'Donnell uh, managed team has uh, <laughs> that, that slight attitude to it, which but as I, I like. Um, and you also have on the pitch people like Mark Connolly, who I who I love, and who definitely has that kind of uh, uh, attitude. So, well, I, I think one of my favorite things about Stephen O'Donnell, like somebody went back through his history of red cards or something like that after he retired, and the number of times he was sent off after the 90th minute, after he had scored the winning goal or something like that as well, or <laughs> led the team to a win, right? Not situations where you would normally sort of uh, assume that it was the kind of time where you'd be picking up you know, bookings and red cards, but there you go. You know, you would just hope that this doesn't come back to kind of sting or stand the line, because we all know that you know, when you when you pick up the five yellow cards, that can be an unexpected suspension. Like Mark Connolly, we lost Mark Connolly for a game, and he's been so good for us that we really noticed it when he was gone. So he got a suspension for five yellow cards, and that really just creeps up out of nowhere. Because I remember we were going to a game, and someone was, where's Connolly? He goes, oh, he's had five yellow cards. They're almost worse than the sendings off, because they are the things that are, you know... Now, the thing about all this is, it's... It's it's a it's a strange kind of philosophical question because it's part of Stephen O'Donnell. It's part of Mark Connolly, for instance. It's part of his game, and yes, obviously you never want players to pick up yellow cards. But if he didn't have that nature to him, would he be the same player? Now, obviously, there's a balance. You want battle-hardened players with that edge, but who don't get booked. Um, so it's it's a strange thing with players because I love players like Mark Connolly but almost inherent to the way they are. And it's like, as Martin was saying about Stephen O'Donnell, you know, it just seems to be in his DNA, those, those kind of things. Um, now, you never want to get a reputation as being a dirty team. We have talked about other teams, maybe, and their, their, their use of the dark arts and stuff like this. Um, so you, and you don't want to get a reputation. And again, the, the, the real objective thing is you don't want to start losing players. I think, though, I mean... We, we, we've seen, you know, for instance, we have uh, Gartland and Boyle, and we're, we're currently missing Andy Boyle because of, uh, of the suspension, but then we have obviously Connolly and Bone, so we have options, but you don't want to be able to lose your, you know, uh, for instance, wh whoever Skip deems to be his starting team to constant suspension and stuff like this, so to me it's a strange one because you love to see that bite and you, you like to see battling players. But if, as you said, if we're kind of like 
I just think about Mark Connolly when we lost him you definitely noticed it and it was five yellow cards and if you could avoid that and then obviously if you can avoid things like the Andy, uh, Andy Boyle sending off which was just insanity and we're missing Andy now, now it's, what's great is that Bone and uh, Connolly have performed so well so we're not in trouble but you know as the season goes on injuries pack up and or if we lose other players you know that that might become an issue just looking down them, what's strange about eight yellows is um, it wasn't really a dirty game by any manner of means. There was hardly a memorable tackle in it. Um, it, it was a, it was many things, but it was not a ferociously contested blood and thunder encounter. So it's kind of strange to see that many yellows uh, in a game that was, you know, relatively free of of any acrimony. I think most of them were probably for time wasting and then dissent and. I suppose that, well, it's, it's better than it being dangerous challenges or stuff like that or, or teams being undisciplined like we would have seen in, in other eras. But I suppose the cautionary tale that the worst one ever of these was when Chris Shields, through kind of uh, taking a eye off the ball, got a fifth uh, yellow card in a in a nothing game down in Cork, which put him out of the uh, cup final. And, uh, you know, if, if he plays, we win that cup final. Uh, pretty sure of it. So, yeah, it is something perhaps to keep an eye on and, and work on. Um, however, um, Bally Buffet is the um, is the next destination. So hopefully another disciplined performance and, and well-organized. We didn't manage the game particularly well, I think, when Derry were beginning to build momentum. And we did give them the initiative by conceding possession quite a bit. I think we did manage to, when it needed to take the heat out of the game and slow it down. And we know that Finn Harps are a big side, a physical side. Uh, we probably will need to, you know, hopefully outplay them, be more constructive. Once again, I think, you know, we've got the quality that perhaps they don't. And um, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, it'll be another good display and a good result. Turning to Twitter, the uh, mood is, is pretty good, as you'd expect. Kevin Mullen comes in to say, what a win. We played some beautiful football in the first half and we're full value for our lead at halftime. Worked our socks off all night and finally got some joy in the road, thanks to Pat. Yet again, coming up with the goods. Have no doubt, Steve O'Donnell is building something special. Michael Shine comes in to say, Connolly again rock solid in defence and bone decent too. Benson and Hoban scoring in a winning visit to the Brandywell is very hashtag 2019. Consolidating and increasing third spot, it's all good. Simon Canning says, some response to the away form blues. Mark Carolyn comes in to say, brilliant team performance all round. Hard to pick a man at a match. Even the gaffer is in the running. But for the joy that second goal brought, let's say Patrick Hoban. Collie McKay comes in to say, finally in a way win, and what a sweet one. Some performances from the lads from the start need to back this up on Monday. And that's a taste of the views from Twitter. Yeah, I mean, positive. Uh, I think everyone was pretty happy with that uh, uh, last night, so that, that, that's not surprising. And the other kind of talk around the place now is where where Dundalk could go from here because I think we've said this before on on here, which was, you know, at the start of the season we didn't really have we were pretty we were on this podcast we had kind of tempered expectations and as the season moved on went oh wow okay European spots third looks like a real real doable thing now I mean we're there we're there on merit and there's a bit of talk floating around of even looking at second now. Me personally, I think, I mean, I think third would be amazing. And I, nothing's taken for granted yet. There's a lot of football still to play. But I think we're definitely third on merit. And we have, you know, there is, you know, 
what what happens in the in the transfer market and especially with players that we could hold on to at the halfway point of the season is going to be important but there's no reason given what we've seen that we won't be there at the end of the season uh, but given that we are now getting kind of uh, interestingly close to Derry who I mean Derry and Shamrock Rovers were marked out from the start of the season it was a two horse race um, and it looks like it might be a one horse race but that means that that second place spot is it's it's up for grabs I mean can we do it? I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to come across that. I don't think the Dock fans are, are cocky or confident in that, to that regard. But you have to say that, it, I mean, it's definitely, it's not pie in the sky stuff. Um, and um, it, it's kind of amazing to think about from where we started this season, or before the season started, that we could be with a game in hand within one point a second, which is just mind-blowing stuff. Well, it's quite a transformation in a year because around about this time last year, there was, well, we were doing interviews with irate protesters outside O'Reilly Park in the midst of a global plague. And uh, if the rest of the world thought they were suffering, it was nothing compared to what it was like with life under peak six. So, yeah, quite a transformation, how the world turns. Where we go from here, we were in our GNR shirt last night. I love that shirt. I think it's really good. For me, it's marred only by the sponsor. Not that I have, you know, profound ideological uh, views on betting. It, we all know that it's one of the more controversial sponsors you can have. Not everybody would know, um, but uh, Ruri, you are the son and heir of uh, the club historian Jim Murphy. His initials are on the back of that shirt. And I love the way that that shirt links into our history as a railway club. And I think that's an aspect of the club that perhaps we don't tap into the full potential of. Because there are kind of railway clubs throughout the world and it makes us part of a family of clubs that go all the way from El Paso, Texas, right to the furthest flung regions of Russia. And it kind of puts you in a special category. And I'd love to see the club sort of, you know, maybe bring that to the forefront of our branding. I know branding's a horrible word. I hate it associated with a, a club. But I mean, that is our history. It's something that makes us a little bit distinctive. And so I really like the way that that shirt kind of connects to that. I'd like to see us make that connection a little bit more in our in our kind of identity. Uh, but as well as that, like, I was playing around with Photoshop last night and I put an Erin Road Erin um, sponsorship logo in place of the Bet Regal one. I have to say, you know, okay, it, it looks pretty good. Now, given that we're a railway club, given that Erin Road Erin obviously have a sponsorship budget, I mean, how good would that shirt look if Erin Road Erin became our sponsors? Yeah, I think it'd be it'd be great. I mean, I I have similar feelings. I mean, I I really love the jersey, and obviously for myself, because because Dad's initials are on the back. I will say one thing: whilst I am the son of Jim Murphy, to call myself the heir as club historian is not something I'm willing to claim, lest I get stopped on Park Street someday and asked for some uh, minutiae uh, trivia, which. My dad had like a, an Excel suite in his in his brain. Um, I am not an heir to anything. I can barely remember what happened last week. Um, but no, I, I mean, Dad was involved in the promotion, and the, I mean, he actually was he helped with kind of in the inception of that shirt because he found, you know, the, with the original GNR Railway team 
um, you know, it's it, it's a replica of their original jersey, and it's really interesting because that Dundalk are a railway railworks team, and it would be really interesting. And you're right, the club never really tied into that. I mean, I think in some ways we're quite uh, linked with Harp uh, Lager because of that kind of iconic sponsor over the years of Harp. But we are like literally a railworks team, and there's a fine tradition of them around the world. Um, and this jersey was great because it it. Full on GNR. It was it, it was kind of a um, it was a celebration of that. Um, and yeah, and I I will say as well, I the, the jersey. The, I have a lot of love and personal uh, feelings about that shirt, but uh, the sponsor also annoys me. Also because it feels like it's a hangover from an era we're all trying to forget. So I think loads of people love that jersey, but it's just that regal to me is emblematic of a time in the club we all want to forget. Um, and I know, listen, contracts have to be honoured and stuff like that. And I know the GNR jersey will, it's going to be probably synced out by the time a new sponsor comes in. So that's the it's one thing. But um, yeah, Aaron or Aaron, they're a public uh, uh, company. Uh, are, are, they, are they allowed to spend their, our taxpayer money on sponsoring uh, football teams? I could be wrong here, but I think they're in the semi-state zone. And right, yeah. They, yeah. they have an advertising budget. So, I mean, I think they can spend it pretty much as they wish. You do see, you do see, uh, you know, some uh, sponsorship along those lines. But, you know, I just think given the connection, it'd be an interesting conversation to it have. It would be as well. And the other thing which also, you know, I know Dundalk did a giveaway for a kind of a prototype jersey which had fifes on it and i thought everyone who saw that our eyes jumped out of our head like cartoon dogs you know what i mean everyone's like oh my god you know because mm. not only that but i thought they handled the fifes logo really well if people saw it uh, not that big banana sticker style thing but they, they actually tastefully worked it in and I, I remember when that dropped on twitter last week everyone was like can you please sell that <laughs> you know you know that take my money please meme um so i i know people do have strong feelings around the sponsor and um, um, but yeah, maybe. Um... Well, I just think personally, now I know that we'd have some people who, who are Jersey aficionados and they're very much into their collectors, they're into their retros, they're into their branding, and it's all very important. I, I wouldn't be quite at that level. Uh, but I just think that there, there are particular Dundalk jerseys that I really, really loved. I love the retro one we had back in 2015-16 with the three stripes going through the crest that was harking back to a classic from the 70s. I really like that one. Of course, there's the iconic harp lager double winning 88 with the thin lines pinstripes on it um i have to put my any ethical objections to the side there i'm willing to go with the harp lager logo just because it is so iconic and it is local but i think you know it would be a real missed opportunity if the railway jersey didn't get a railway related sponsor if they're thinking of doing away with that jersey and just moving on to something new i'd, I'd hold on to it give it one last shot see if you can get Aaron road Aaron on that jersey just matching color scheme and i think you would have something as iconic as our double winning one in 88 with the heart blogger and the pinstripes i know we've migrated off into kind of like leisure wear fashion here but i just think that would be that would be really something special and it could be a really big seller you got it in there in the end ken <laughs> i know crowbar copyright on the prototype now ken this is the thing now that you photoshopped it i would i've given i photoshopped it and none of it was none of it was my own intellectual property i'm I'm willing to waive any rights you know i'm not going to wave your 10 percent yeah yeah it is it is very but i'm a generous type of guy it's all it's all for the club one other thing while we're on this subject 
How strongly do you feel bonded to the nickname the Lily Whites, as opposed to our older nickname, the Railway Men? Uh, to me, I never actually liked the phrase Lily Whites I, and everything, but it simply is what we've always been known in my lifetime. So it's impossible, I think, to divorce from it. And iconic chant, come on you whites, come on you Lily Whites. Um, so, and that Railway Men is not really my era. Uh, so Lily Whites to me, is just one of the things that is never going away. Yeah, once it's been worked into song, it's, yeah. it's here for the disdain. Yeah. Well, that's wrong. Well, that's wrong. Completely off tangent here, Ken. The the photo you use for this podcast on Spotify is the all white jersey. And that really annoys me. I don't like when we wear the white shorts, but that's a complete side point. I know mm. some people really like the all white kit. I don't really hate it. Yeah, I, I the only question mark I'd have over the all white kit is that we often have had bad results in it, and that kind of has put me off it a little bit. But I, I suppose some people like the the Real Madrid like look that it gives you. Well, the one thing that's coming back at the moment that I'm in big favor of is collars. Uh, it seems like this summer everybody's getting a collar back, and that is the correct way to go. Ooh, controversial, but uh, you know we'll have to we'll have to put that one in, out on Twitter. No, I I, I agree a hundred percent with Martin. And where I kind of like you know fell out of love with jerseys is when were two things when the collars went and then they became far too slim fitting <laughs> which they eventually they eventually rectified by essentially releasing two versions of a jersey one one for uh, athletes and one for uh, people that like pints um but yeah no i i mean i i for me the golden era of jerseys was the 90s and late 90s and collars definitely i mean my favorite whilst we're on the topic my favorite ever dundalk jersey is 2014 uh to me that was absolutely the, the nicest jersey ever in the material everything about it and obviously it's been linked with the memories of that amazing season but um it had a kind of a pseudo color but at least it had something but bring back colors Aaron O'Darren you know we, we could be on to a classic next season when we're back in Europe and winning the league it's gonna be brilliant. yeah yeah with, with a discount on on rail travel for all Dundalk FC fans once they just show the crest well, there you are, guys. I it's always been an intention to migrate the podcast into men's fashion, and we've taken the first step there today. So, um, before we lose any more listeners, I suppose we might as well wrap it up for this uh, episode. I'd like to thank you very much for your contributions, Rory Murphy and Martin Mullen. Thank you to everybody who listened in, and also to all your comments on Twitter. We look forward to talking to you on Monday uh, after our trip to Bally Buffet. Let's hear for the